left fielders. This is the Infielder Spotlight Podcast, powered by Left Field Investors. Our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently. Let's go. Welcome to the Infielder Spotlight episode, where one of our infielders share their story with host Chad Ackerman. Listen in to gain insights from our community on how to create financial freedom through passively investing in real assets that generate real cash flow. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the LFI Spotlight. I'm your host, Chad Ackerman, and with me today is infielder Whitney Elkins Hutton. Whitney, welcome to the show. Appreciate you joining us to come share your story today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. We try to keep them fun anyway. That's the goal in all this. This doesn't have to be serious, right? We can have a good time while we're doing this. <laughs> I love not being serious, actually. There you go. There you go. This will go swimmingly then. Okay. I'm sure of it. So we start out with the basic stuff, the simple stuff. Can you just share with the group where are you from? What do you do? Those kind of things. Yeah. So I live in Boulder, Colorado, and I'm the director of investor education at PassiveInvesting.com. I'm also the founder of Ash Wealth, which is my own private consulting coaching group where I teach people how to get financially free leveraging passive investments. And my first love is real estate. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So you're into this space now. Tell us a little bit about the journey. Have you always been in the real estate investing or... I mean, I don't think anybody starts in this, right? So maybe what was your background? How did all this start for you? Yeah, I think I share the story often, but I'll try to make it interesting for people here, <laughs> especially for the infielders. But I started off in 2002. I bought a house with a significant other. Relationship fell apart pretty quickly and I had a house. Now, at the time, I was working in public health. I had my master's at that point in time working on my PhD. <laughs> in community health and nutrition. But at that time, it was 2002, right after 9-11, I was working actually for the state of Wyoming for their facilitation and education component of the bioterrorism grant. So what does that mean? I was wow. traveling all around Region 8 here in the Rocky Mountains and in Wyoming, teaching doctors how to identify smallpox and anthrax and vaccinate against it. That was my job. <laughs> what every girl dreams to be, right? <laughs> I was in my heyday. Oh, that's I mean, good. I that's good. I loved it. But at the same time, I was like, how on earth like, am I going to make myself financially free? I was traveling for yeah. 20, 80 hours a week. But I bought this house and the relationship fell apart, primarily because I was traveling all the time. And I was like, oh, man, this house is going to sink me. So I stuffed it full of roommates. I had to do all the construction largely myself. I didn't think I could afford it. I didn't, mm. wasn't asking the right questions. How can I? I was just like, I can't. Yeah. I didn't have the right mindset. But somehow I got to the result that I wanted. And when I sold that house, it was probably my number one investment stake. And I made $52,000 profit on the house in 11 months. And I hadn't been paying for any of my expenses. Like everything was covered. Mm. And that's when the light bulb went off for me. I'm like, oh, I can do this again. Like, and I did it a few more times. Not every project went according to plan. Right. But then eventually I was like, okay, I can build a bucket equity, but how can I get I didn't even know the word cash flow, oddly enough. And yeah. here I am with a statistics degree and I couldn't right. figure out the math. <laughs> and so, anyways, somebody mentioned like by this time I'm married, they were like, why don't you keep some of those flips and put a tenant in them? And I did that. 
And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. But again, stats degree didn't pay off just because I knew about math, didn't know how to actually, didn't know how to calculate cash flow. Yeah, Um, yeah. And it was after our first two that I was like, okay, I'm throwing down $80,000 for $400 of cash flow. That's if the toilet doesn't break. And I'm like, how am I going to become financially free? And then I found, stumbled upon bigger pockets. And that's when I went, oops. That's how you right. on this. I'm doing this slightly different than I should. Huh? Yeah. And I'll tell you what got me into trouble is I was borrowing somebody else's goals and somebody else's plans without uh, really truly understanding what my goals were and what I That's needed. very significant. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge. And so that's something that I'm really passionate about now is I've been in the private equity space for a number of years. I see people wanting to jump ship, get out of the volatility of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. You know, heck, even now after the collapse of four banks in the past five days. <laughs> Say, very timely, yeah. Very exactly. timely, but it still boils down to you know the number one way to mitigate your risk is to understand what you want, and then why do you want it, and then who do you have to become to get that? Mm. And because so many people borrow so many else's goals, they're chasing yield. And it can land them in hot water if they're not careful. Absolutely. Yep. Well, and you got to be disciplined while you're in there, not to get distracted by the shiny objects and everything else too. So I've had my fair share of shiny objects. (laughs) Absolutely. Haven't we all? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So you start out in the active space, accidental landlord kind of work into on purpose landlord, everything else. How does you then migrate over to the passive investing side of things? Yeah. So really interesting, kind of about midway through our journey. If anybody knows me, Chad, you know me, like you give me an idea. I'm a hundred yards ahead. Like I'm so (laughs) far down the rabbit hole. It takes somebody screaming at me like, hold up. (laughs) Anyway, so we had the friend saying, hey, why don't you put a tenant in there? Literally three months later, I realized we bought two properties. Then I realized how to calculate cash flow. Once I figured that out, I'm like about face pivot. Right. By the end of the first year, I've got 10 single family properties under contract. And things were going pretty well. And I knew we were going to run out of capital. I wanted to learn how to rehab and extract my capital back out. But we also had a baby girl in that mm. time frame. I was also the guardian over my two grandparents. My mom's mm. aging. Hence, she had to step down from guardian and I had to take it over. So I'm managing all of this, all this family. But I can see the cash flow building up. And I was like, okay, we're doing the right thing. And eventually I went to my husband. I was like, me being the mathematician, the statistician, I like lay out my plan. He's very science and math oriented. This is the income that we have coming in. I want to take a step back and be home with our family so I can manage Mm -hmm. this. And he's like, fantastic. I want to do that too, by the way. I went, wait, hold on. That's not in the math yet. (laughs) (laughs) And I was doing a quick calculation in my head. I'm like, we had 30 properties at that point in time. I'm like, we need. I didn't have it in me. And so I was like, how can we solve this problem? Now my mindset shifted. And I was like, oh, we have to get into multifamily. But I didn't know how, actively or passively. And I had actually already invested in two multifamily passive assets in my self-directed IRA. But I thought Mm. of them as a bond. I like set it and forget it. I'm not going to pay attention to it. And then as we're going down to try to figure out how to buy our own multifamily I kept looking back at these two investments as my model. Like, here's how to structure a profit and loss statement. Here's how to do marketing. Mm. Let's go back and look at everything and look how they did the capital raise, how they put together their offering memorandum. I mean, the whole blueprint's right there, right? Sure, yeah. I can even call and talk to them and ask them. Right, (laughs) true. It's amazing. 
I was getting paid to learn how to do this. But then we're putting in all that sweat equity. And I went, wait a second. Or I can just invest over here. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or <laughs> I, I could take the passive side. Yeah. Yeah. I actually went down the active side. I realized pretty quickly, we did get into a JV where we took down a multifamily building, quickly realized I want to do this in partnership with people that really know what they're doing. And I was in partnership at a different private equity firm for a couple of years, learned an immense amount about the space. But I was trying to play that cash flow quadrant game that Robert Kiyosaki talked about so much is how quickly can I take all this income from my rentals, my other businesses that I have? and shove it into that I quadrant as quickly as possible. Yeah. And it was about, like you said, consistency and persistency, not getting the shiny object syndrome. And I picked my head up you know, one year and I'm like, we're financially free. How did that happen? <laughs> How did that, yeah. Hi, this is Zach Haptonstall, CEO and co-founder of Rise 48 Equity. At Rise48, we partner with investors like you to purchase large apartment buildings that we renovate to increase the value and create a profit margin for our investors through monthly passive cash flow distributions and profits on sale. We're a vertically integrated company specializing in the Phoenix, Arizona and Dallas, Texas markets with over 200 plus full-time W-2 employees who are focused on making sure your investment is taken care of. To learn more about Rise48 Equities Multifamily Investments, Schedule a call with me at rise48equity.com backslash invest. If you're listening to this podcast, then you're probably already thinking about ways to generate income passively and to reduce your tax burden. But did you know that you can retain more of your W-2 income by investing in oil and gas? As you might know, my income is generally passive. But if you're a high wage earner who still gets a large portion of your income from a W-2 job, this investment opportunity could help you hold on to more of your hard-earned money, which means you have the chance to make more passive investments. Billy Keels and the team at First Generation Capital Partners are experienced with investing in this sector, and they have a free download available for our listeners who want to learn more. To find out just how much you could save by investing in oil and gas, head to firstgencp.com slash LFI pay less tax and download your free guide. So it takes blood, sweat, and tears to get into this too. It isn't passive to begin with. It is active as you're cutting your teeth and learning the ropes and it does get to a different degree. You talked about bigger pockets a little bit too. What are some other resources that helped you kind of get into that space of passive, understanding the lingo, understanding the math, getting comfortable that you realize that, yeah, that is a plan that can work for your goals? Well, I'll talk about what I did and then what's available to people now because the industry has just exploded over the past. Say like, the timing's probably different. Yeah. Very yeah. Different. At that point in time, I was still listening to podcasts. I think at that point in time, I was listening to Joe Fairless's best ever podcast, which actually was extremely different than what it is right now. He had also written a book, Best Ever Apartment Syndication Book. And I read that book. And honestly, like for, I mean, I talk to limited partner investors all the time that want to understand the inner workings mm-hmm. of a syndication. They're like, I must know everything before I can write a check. I'm like, fantastic. Go read this 400, 500 page book and then come back. Right. And then when they come back, they're like, oh, that's a lot of things that they do. I'm like, yes, it is. But now you know everything. You understand everything that goes into building a tribe, marketing, underwriting, building all the relationships, managing the deal. Like you understand yeah. everything at a very 20,000 foot foot level, right? 
But those were kind of the two resources that I started off with. Working in a private equity group that took my education to the next level. Understanding the space now, I still would recommend that book. I've since written down an ebook, Passive Investing Made Simple, that's taken probably the 20 pages in that tome (laughs) and what the passive investor really needs to know. There's another book by Brian Burke called The Hands Off Investor by Bigger Pockets. That's another great resource. That's a great one. Yep. And then there's all the resources the left field investor puts out. And then I have my own resource at Passive Investing Made Simple Master So there's tons of education out there. Well, that's what we identified is there was a gap there a few years ago, that gap's starting to fill in, which is great because it makes all of us better investors that there's so much material out there now that you maybe didn't have your abilities to find back when you were doing all this. So if I knew then what I know now, we'd all be great. But <laughs> so- well, and I think too, it's like understanding what your goals are, right? Because the same education that I would pursue to learn about Passive real estate for cash flow is different than passive real estate for appreciation. So I love just how the field is beginning to get a little more nuanced so you can find your niche too. Yeah. Well, I think that's great. If I, I say it all the time, like goals should be one of the most important things you do first. You can think about those before you really jump in because they'll give you so much more direction and you got to get educated before you can set those goals. Because to your point, knowing the difference between equity and cash flow isn't a coherent right to start with. And my first investment I got into, my first passive, I needed cash flow and I bought a big historical building that's going to be remodeled that I haven't seen cash flow from it yet. It's been three years. So I didn't know any better. So everybody does this when they start. Yeah, everybody does it when they start. But I quickly got into my goals and knew what I wanted more. And then it helped me make so much better decisions. And those goals, you got to be willing to pivot on your goals too, because your life's going to change. Those things are going to change as time goes on and you build whatever it is you're trying to build or life changes around you or whatever. So you need to be flexible around it as well, but that's good. It kind of leads me to my next question. I always like to ask through your journey, what lessons learned or advice have you gained that you'd share with the community too? Goals sounds like one of them for sure, but any other tidbits you can share with the community? How much time do we have? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We could make a whole show on that, right? Yeah. Well, just to kind of keep it high level, and I'll think of some things that maybe haven't been said. But one, understanding your goals, your risks, your timeline. And then two, especially getting in as a passive investor, because we're all conditioned, especially if you come from stocks, bonds, and mutual fund world, it's typical 401k investing. You're trained to look for return. Okay. Yeah. You're trained to look for yield. And even if you're doing your own single family real estate, small multifamily real estate, you're the operator, right? And you're training yourself to look for yield. Okay. You have to take that model and flip it on its head when you get into passive investing and really focus on the operator. And even though you might be like, I know real estate, like I'm still chasing the yield. No, you might know real estate, but now you're investing in somebody else's business. So it does come down to understanding how to vet the operator. So number one, that is what I see get most investors in trouble is if they understand their goals, they invest with the wrong people that don't have the track record or experience and stuff like that. And then I think the one thing that I'm really passionate of educating people about is understanding how to invest based on principles. So I know Leftfield Investors has it. I have it. Like we have our beautiful spreadsheets, but right. you're checking all these boxes, but what do those boxes support? What pillars of principles to wealth building do they support? 
How do they protect capital? How do they protect cash flow, equity, tax benefits? How is it smart use of leverage? Those type of principles and really understanding my portfolio changed when I started looking at all my investments and grading them on these seven pillars of wealth building. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not saying have everything in equities. That's not what I'm saying. It's right, just right. Be eyes wide open with how your portfolio is scaling and building because there are certain things that I thought were going to be like smashing investments. And if they started to teeter, it's because they only had one or two wealth pillars to them. Mm. If I had taken care to make sure that I could check other wealth pillar boxes, one, I probably would never have gone into that asset. Two, when I do consciously make that decision and check all seven boxes, I can sleep well at night because even if like the cash flow pauses, distributions pause, I'm like, I'm in a solid market with a solid business plan. And I've got tax benefits coming in from this. I got equity build happening. I'm locking in. My debt's locked in. I'm with an amazing operator. The chances of me losing money just because one pillar went down are pretty slim. Yeah, That was really the light bulb moment for me. I've had several of those. (laughs) And it's a necessity too, right? I had to learn those things the hard way. I understand. Yeah. No, I'm going to write that one down. That one's a good one that I want to make sure I'm grading my investments and my future investments, especially based on the pillars. That's fantastic to think of. I really like your vetting the sponsor suggestion as well. I like how you said you may be really good at real estate. You may be able to read the deal and understand the deal in a way, but if you don't understand the way the operator is going to run that deal, you're missing out on a major piece of this. So the deal may look good to you on paper because how you analyze it But if you didn't vet the operator good enough to understand how they're going to operate it, then you're really running blind into the deals and scenarios. I really like how you spoke about that to call that out to people as they're they're looking. It's the whole bet on the jockey, not the horse. You're taking it to a further degree. So I think that's great. Jim and I are trying to figure out who said that first, by the way. (laughs) The jockey or the horse? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a very good question. All good stuff, Wendy. We appreciate that. What's next on your plate? Where are you headed in the short term, long term, whatever? Investing wise, I had to learn the hard way. I know everybody says it in the beginning. You're talking about the shiny object syndrome. I want my investing to be extremely boring. (laughs) If I want to have excitement in my life, it's going to be the people I spend it with and the places I travel. So if you're talking about investing, I'm just plugging right along, looking for assets that are performing well in today's environment that check those seven pillars of wealth that pass my investing criteria. I'm looking at what the market's giving me right now and not hitting like to borrow a baseball analogy. And I hope I get this right. Grounders to first and second. That's what I'm looking for right now. There you go. Um, The advanced runners. Amazing. But life-wise, like my family and I, we're ramping up to travel, to mountain bike, to just spend the summers playing. I mean, that's where life is, is in those small moments. That's great. No, hundred percent. And sometimes we get too wrapped up in our worlds to remember that. So good for you that you're taking a pause and going out to enjoy the family and enjoy life for a little bit. That's the name it's of the not game. Even a pause. I get to do both. Isn't that cool? Oh, there you go. Even better. <laughs> well, cool. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show today. This has been great. Thank you for all the tidbits. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. We appreciate it. And we appreciate everybody listening in today and we will see you again in the spotlight. Hey, Leftfielders, this is Julian McClurkin from TribeVest. I recently had the pleasure of sitting down with Jim Pfeiffer for a masterclass. 
I learned so much from passive investing to real estate syndications to how you can diversify your portfolio with a tribe. I also learned how this form of passive investing was only available to the wealthy until recently. If I learned a lot, you will too. Go to leftfieldinvestors.com and check out the masterclass button at the top or look up Tribe Vest on YouTube. I'll see you there. Visor provides investors with a secure platform that displays a comprehensive view of all of their holdings on a single holistic dashboard. From real estate syndications to private equity, crypto to traditional investments with AI-driven, unbiased, honest insights to maximize return, Visor is your one place to rule them all. Automating performance tracking, projecting future cash flow, analyzing all your financial documents, and much more in one powerful solution, making it easy to follow the money. Sign up for a free 30-day trial now at Visor.co. Thanks for hanging out in the infield with us today. If you're interested in becoming an infielder, you can find us at leftfieldinvestors.com or you can send me an email directly at chad at leftfieldinvestors.com. Thank you for listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. If you enjoy the show, please go to Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the show. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing said on the show should be considered financial advice. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Passive Investing from Left Field and Left Field Investors. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.